Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, Southside, so glad to be with you again today, walking through the rhythm, all right, the unforced rhythms of grace. The things that we walk through, we're talking about right now because I believe that the right rhythm is found, first of all, by knowing God. And we want you to know God, and we believe that happens when you know His Son. According to Acts chapter 2, you know His Son first, then you receive His Spirit, and then you obey His Word. And that's what the people did in Jerusalem the day that Peter stood up and spoke. They realized something that day. One, that they were wrong about Jesus, and two, they were guilty for putting him on the cross, and it cut them to the core of their being, and they asked Peter, what should we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. And he he, he brought them in or opened the door for them to experience and begin to live out the unforced rhythms of grace. And so that's what we see here. Rhythm is simply a strong regular, repeated pattern of movement. And that's what we want you to find. Yes, we want you to find rhythm in your work and home, rhythm with your family and friends, rhythm in the way you eat, sleep, and exercise. But more than anything, I want you to find a healthy rhythm to your faith. And think of your faith that way, as your faith being a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement. Wow. How about that? If we change the definition and said, this is a faith rhythm, a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement. Why is that important? Because finding the right rhythm is essential to living your best life. And I want you to see that. Matthew 11, we shared this last week. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? It kind of sounds like a drug commercial today, right? You see somebody dancing around. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Try Alexico. It'll cure all of your needs and your issues. Now, it could cause death. It could cause you to lose a limb. It could cause you to lose your eyesight, but you'll be better off for it, right? I mean, I don't know. That's just kind of, when I read this, I think about it that way. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. Get away with me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Man, wouldn't that be awesome? If we could do that, if we could come and go with him, get away with him and recover life. Find a a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement to our faith, which impacts our life. Jesus said, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. This is how we do it. Anyway, that's it. He said, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I think sometimes grace, we try to force things too much. Jesus, you don't have to force this. There's an unforced rhythm to this thing called grace. And the right rhythm can bring peace and purpose to your life. And so the unforced rhythm of grace, what we talked about last week, the unforced rhythm of grace is about commitment. That's what we said last week. It's about commitment. It's about Commitment and action. It's about devoting yourself to Christ. 
This is what he says in Acts chapter 2. This is what they're they're writing about. So those who accepted his message, Peter's message that day, were baptized, and about 3,000 of them were added to the church in one day. The church went from 120 to over 3,000 in one day. And this is what they did. They devoted themselves, commitment and action, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship of meeting together, gathering together as a church, as individuals, corporately, locally, in homes, all over the place. But it were people of like mind, like faith. They were moving in the same direction. To the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. That was a a process of them learning the unforced rhythm of grace, commitment. Today, we talk about community. We also see that an unforced rhythm of grace is not just about commitment. It's about community. It's about coming and joining with us. And there's churches everywhere. There's churches on on just about every corner in the southeastern part of the United States. There are plenty of churches for you to choose from. But you're in this one today. You're here today. You're listening. You're you're, you're taking this in today. Well, great. Praise the Lord. What are you going to do with it? Because Southside may not be for you, but I, but I hope it is. And I hope you'll dive in and, and find your place here. And your, your place for a little while may be greeting. Your place may be kids. Your place may be students. It may be worship. It may be something different for a little while. Then it may change to something else and something different. It may be missions. It may be this or that. It may be leading a small group, being in a small group. Whatever it is, find a place and put something to work. Get in. Make your commitment with action, and then experience community. Look at what they did. So when they did these things, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, both inside the church or in the body of Christ and outside. Fear, a holy fear came over everybody. Tell you, the church today in America doesn't instill much fear over anybody. It doesn't. It doesn't instill much fear over people. The church just doesn't do that today, and that's sad. The church today accepts such low standards for its fellowship that almost anything is allowed. We're forgotten or simply ignored the divine calling where Jesus said, Be holy, for I am holy. We just let, it's, it's, it's just, we don't have any fear of God in our own life. Therefore, there's no fear of God outside of us. But fear came over everyone. Many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. All kinds of miracles and, and, and miraculous experiences are happening. And now all the believers were together. And they held all things in common. Look at what they did. They sold their possessions and their property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. You know why? Because their faith cost them something. It cost them something to be a follower of Christ. They were baptized. They went public with their faith. It may have cost them their job, may have cost them their social status, could have cost them their, their family, but, but, but people had needs that needed to be met. And these people came together and they pulled those resources and they met people's needs. Somebody once said that that looks like that's, that's, that's what communism is today. No, that's not communism. This was unforced. 
This was not tyrannical. This was graceful. This was people coming together like that. There's old story one time about a preacher. He's uh he in a, in a com he's he a preacher speaking and a guy supporting or promoting communism is speaking. And the guy supporting communism, he says, "Hey, communism! Oh, take there was a old drunk man walking by. There was a guy there, a homeless guy, whatever. Maybe he looked ragtag clothes, but he's speaking to a group of people. He said, communism will give that man a new suit.'" He says to the preacher, what do you think about that? He says, well, Christianity will put a new man in that suit. Forget the new suit. Christianity will put a new man in it. It'll change his life. This wasn't forced. They did it willingly. See, their community led them to unity. Last week, we talked about how the decision led to devotion. Today, we see that their community led them to unity. And this is what we see about the early church. Several things in those passages about the early church. The early church had healthy fear. The early church had a healthy fear of God. They did, both inside and outside of it. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, Timothy. He hasn't given us a demonic spirit of fearfulness. They had a healthy fear. It wasn't a demonic spirit of fearfulness. They had a healthy fear of God. And, and, and this is what Paul is re, re, he's reaffirming to Timothy. God, God didn't give you a bad spirit of fearfulness. He's given you a spirit of power, love, and of sound judgment. He then says, so don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Share in suffering for the gospel's sake, relying on the power of God. He said, Timothy, Jesus has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And Paul tells him, for the gospel I was appointed a herald, apostle, teacher, and that is why I suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed, Timothy, because I know the one I believed in, and I'm persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until the day that he comes. The early church had healthy fear. The early church, they had a healthy fear of God, but they didn't have a lot of fear of man because God gave them a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And so they were afraid of God, but they weren't afraid of much else. See, today, man, we, 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 we're, we, don't, we don't have a fear of God. We don't have that. We've, we've allowed such low standards that we accept anything in our world except for God and his holiness and his power. They had a healthy fear. They were a church that had purity and power. They were pure and they were powerful. Look at what we see in 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter said, therefore, with your minds ready for action. Are you ready for action? They were powerful in their faith because they were pure in it. They had a healthy fear of God. They were ready to act. And so Peter says, be serious, be sober, be alert, be ready, and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope 
on the, on the Lord Jesus Christ, on His return. Set your hope there. Read about it. Pray about it. And we talked about it during the Can I Ask That series. We talked about heaven. And somebody, somebody asked me, my wife said this. She said this to me on the way home. She said, how sad that we who are citizens of heaven know so little about what it's going to be like. How can you anticipate something that you don't know about? How can you tell other people something about something that you don't know about? How, how can we do these things? We, take our, we, we, we treat our faith so shallow. We don't have any rhythm to grace. We're lucky to give an hour a week to it. And, and, and fortunate to give maybe one or two days a week to maybe read the Bible. Most people don't do that. There's no community. There's no unity. We grumble. We fight. We complain. If we don't get our way, we leave. We do all of these things. The early church had healthy fear, and the early church was pure, and it was powerful. Peter goes on to say this. As obedient children, if you're a parent, you like for your child to obey, right? What about you as a child of God? Do you obey? Are you obedient? He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Paul is writing to us in Romans, and he says, the things that you were formerly ashamed of. Don't be conformed to the desires of your ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct. For it's written, be holy because I'm holy. They were a church that was pure and powerful. You want to be powerful, it comes from our purity. They cared for one another. They cared for one another. They came together, they pulled their resources. They cared for each other. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. This is what we see here in Philippians chapter 2. If then, Paul said, there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, Paul said, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. He said, do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. You may not need something today. You may not, you, you may not need anything. Your life may be good and fine, but somebody around you today, somebody that you come in contact with, somebody that steps inside of our church is giving God one last shot. Somebody is coming that is broken beyond belief. Somebody is coming desperate for their child to be saved, for their marriage to be restored, for their, for their, their cancer to be healed, for a, for a job, for, for just something to happen in their life. They are desperate for that. Your hello, your smile, your handshake, your hug, your time to stop and just hear and listen. You never know what that could mean. Consider others more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. They cared for one another. Walk slow through the crowd. 
There should not be a shortage of parking lot greeters, front door greeters, sanctuary greeters. It ought to be difficult for a guest to even make it in church because of all the people hugging, handshaking, high-fiving, wanting to know if you're really good and fine. And if you're not, pulling them off to the side, praying with them, encouraging them, building them up. The worship time ought to be so loud, engaging, and powerful. People are excited about being in the presence of God. You bring fire like that. You bring energy like that. You hug each other. You take care of one another. You bring the resources together, and we won't keep be able to keep people out of this place. They sacrifice for one another. They sacrificed. Do you sacrifice for it? What does your faith cost you? Are you a tither? Are you a giver? I, I mean, are you? We'll talk about that. We'll say, hey, give 1%. Trust God with 1%. No way. Trust God with 10%. He can do more with 90 than you can do with 100. And if he's been faithful with that, then trust him with 11, 12, 13. You can't outgive God. Ask somebody today, let's take that step of faith. Be a tither. And then on top of that, be a giver. Find a need, meet a need. Let's do that today. Let's be the church. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this, Paul said, the person who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. Somebody said when the lottery was $1.3 billion, hey, pastor, will you take a tithe on that? I said, I sure will. I said, I won't be ashamed. Yes, I'll, let me pray about that. Yes. <laughs> but you know what? Here's reality. If you don't tithe with what you make today, you can win however many billion dollars you want to. You won't tithe on that. You know why? Because the person who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. And the person who sows generally, generously will reap generously. Look at what God said. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart to do, not reluctantly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And on top of that, he says, God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Look, look at what God is able to do when you trust him in that area of your life. He is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. One, two, three, four, five. In one sentence, five times God goes to the extreme to say, I'll give you everything you need if you'll trust me. He says it again. He says, so that you'll, you'll have everything. He'll make every grace overflow to you. So that in every way, having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. See, I, I believe this. I believe you can't build the future of the church on passionless, disengaged people. Can't do it. 
the unforced forced rhythm of grace is one of commitment and community. We'll never build a church of passionless, disengaged people. Friend, get in the game. Get off the sidelines. Get out of the stands and get in the game. We need you. If you don't know Christ, say yes to Jesus today and then go to work. And if you don't know how to do that, we'll help you. But, but if, if, if all you've done is just pray to prayer, man, don't just be a decider, be a disciple, friend. Put it to work. Say, I want to get baptized. I'm ready to get baptized. I'm ready to join a group. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to be a part. Because we're not going to build a church on passionless, disengaged people, but we will build a church on passionate, engaged people. So what does it take to grow my faith? Same thing as last week. Make a move and practice the presence of Jesus. Make a move. Make a move. What does it take to grow your faith? Make a move and find out. What does it take to grow your faith? Make a move and practice the presence of Jesus in your life. Take a Bible home. Open it up to Acts chapter 2. Open it up to Genesis. Open it up to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Open it up somewhere and begin reading it. Begin listening to it. Begin asking God to speak to you through it. And practice what you read. Practice the presence of Jesus. Get on your knees next to wherever you're reading and just pray the Lord's Prayer. My Father in heaven, our Lord be your name, is found in Matthew 6. Practice the presence of Jesus. Go to Pandora, Spotify, find you some godly worship music that you like, that you love. Make you a playlist and play it on the way to school or work. Play it on the way to working out or during workouts. Play it on the, play it on the way home. Practice the presence of Jesus. Make a move. If you want God to move, then you make a move. And let's see him go to work in our life. So... Whatever is going on in your world, I can give you some help today. I can help you grow your faith. How, Pastor? Make a move. Practice the presence of Jesus. How can you do that? Ask us. Send us a note at the end of this video. Let us know so we can help you. In the comments, let us know we will help. We will help. But I can't help if I don't know. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, pray this with me right now. Believe it in your heart. Confess it with your mouth. Say, Father God, I believe in you. I believe you love me so much that you sent your Son to be my Savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. By your grace, restore me to you. Say, Jesus, be the Savior and Lord of my life. I'm ready to follow you, and I say yes to you today. Let me know if you prayed that with me today. Let us help you take steps of faith. Make a move. Practice the presence of Jesus in your life. God bless you. See you next week. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. 
congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text JESUS, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with Him. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.